What he described to me was physical hell. You see, Marcus was having a seizure and it lasted five minutes. And, his, and for five minutes, his friend was sitting there watching Marcus convulse and seize and his arms were stiff like he was ready to box someone and he was vomiting. And for five minutes, I could only imagine the chaos and the panic coursing through his friend's veins and mind and he didn't know what to do. And I, I undoubtedly think that there's, there were prayers being offered up and like, my goodness, what is going on? Is Marcus going to die right in front of me? You see, he was vomiting everywhere. And his friend had to reach his fingers down his throat to clear the airway so he could do something. He's, he wasn't gonna sit there and watch his friend die right in front of him in a truck bed and in a drug overdose. And I can only explain that situation. And from hearing the story from Marcus, it's complete chaos, complete rock bottom. You see, this was one of many stories and many decisions and, and situations that led Marcus to rock bottom. And it concluded with a 10-year heroin addiction. And when I say concluded, it means not that he passed away, but he was reborn again. He's sober, he made it out and he's alive. And some of you guys have met, might have met him. And what a story of overcoming of God's grace and mercy saved Marcus's life over a course of events, over a course of experiences, and, and it just runs chills and, and just, it just brings me joy when I hear about someone's life being redeemed and reconciled to God through substance and heartbreak and devastation. You see, Marcus lost everything. He lost his house, his car, his family, his relationships, and he hit rock bottom. He may have lost everything. He may have an incredible story of reconciliation. And it's, it sometimes stings a lot to think back of what you've lost in your life sometimes. But he gained the whole world. He gained a new perspective. He was reborn into the kingdom of God as a son of the Most High. And I cherish those stories. I love those stories because it's God's story. And now he's willing to use his story for the kingdom of God. And there's nothing that makes my heart race faster. The joy of the Lord in his face. You see, Marcus and I have very similar stories with substance abuse, you know, um, def different paths, different outcomes, different situations. But when I tell my story sometimes, of things I've done and things that I regret and the shame and the guilt that's brought forth with those stories. Some people, some people would have said, Zach, I would have never guessed that you went through that or you did that or you were like that or you're angry and violent and all this stuff. And when people say I would have never guessed is the biggest compliment to the God of the universe and His grace and His mercy. And when I met Marcus playing volleyball, did life with him, figuring out that he was a Christian. I would have never guessed that he was addicted to heroin for 10 years. It drops my stomach because it's a really, really physical representation of what the God of the universe can do. A rebirth into a new heart, a new perspective, a new vision, a new life, a new purpose. And Marcus and I share that and we've bonded like nothing else. 
And Marcus, if you're watching this, man, I have to give you thanks for uh, willing to share this story and for me to be able to use this story because it's, it's God's story. It's so redemptive, it's so powerful. And it's a long story short, but Marcus was once one way and now he's this way. And the only thing that happened in between was Jesus. I was once one, once one way and now I'm this way. And the only thing that happened in between was Jesus. And that's what we're going to go over today is just stories. We're going to go into Paul's testimony of how he was once one way and then he was another way. And the only thing that happened in between was Jesus. And we all have something in common. We have a story. Whether, and all of our stories point to the goodness of God with our, with our ability to blink without thinking, breathe without thinking, we're walking, we're living, we're breathing, we're just doing things God's way without even realizing how much of God's goodness is in our lives. Drastic or non-drastic, dramatic, non-dramatic, whatever story you have, it is with the glory and the kingdom of God. And I just want to bring another heavy hitting story you know, some of you guys heard my story. I just told you a little glimpse of uh, Marcus's story, but I want to bring in another heavy hidden story, and it's found in the Bible with the Apostle Paul. And again, Jesus changed everything in the Apostle Paul's life. You see, I'm going to go into a little context about all that stuff a little later, but it's, it's such an amazing thing. And so if you guys have you know, I want to give you guys this mission statement for this message. If you are note takers or whatever, you want to write one thing down this entire message and hopefully I can um, golden thread it all the way through so it can hit hard and you can walk away being a uh, perspective, being a little changed. But the one thing is this, your story points to the goodness of God. So let's enter a posture of thanksgiving and tell that story again, one more time. Your story points to the goodness of God. So let's enter a posture of thanksgiving and tell that story. So let's open the Bible and hear about Paul's dramatic and drastic life transformation, just like you heard from Marcus and you may have heard of mine. But first, I want to pray um, for help. Uh, Father, teach us what we know not, give us what we have not, and make us who we are not. Holy Spirit, Use this time so we can sit and reflect on your goodness, the story you've given us, and remind us that nothing, nothing we've been through cannot be not used for your kingdom. You can use anything. You can use our story. Change our perspective. Open our hearts. Open our ears. We're yours right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a little bit of a chunk of scripture found in Acts chapter 26. What a beautiful story. Um, Paul was doing work. He was put on trial. He was in prison for a couple years, and he just kept getting put forth to these, these rulers of the Roman Empire to, to defend himself, to testify that he was not doing anything wrong. But these Jews are upset, and long story short, he was standing in front of a king, uh, King Agrippa, Acts chapter 26, um, verses 2 through 23, and it's an amazing story. You're going to see Paul explaining his before and after, and I think it's a beautiful uh, story. Verse 2, it says this, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate 
to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I've lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify if they were, are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of the, my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider incredible that God raises the dead? I too was once convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with, them persecu with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going into Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you and to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from their darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all of Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, but God has helped me to this very day. Ooh, that's good. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Setting the scene, Paul is so explicitly open about what he did. Loved ones, the Apostle Paul wrote the, most of the New Testament in our Bibles. His epistles and his letters explain Jesus and what he did for us, none like any else. else. Yet before Jesus spoke to him and transformed his entire life, he gave orders to kill Christians, hunted them down, oppressed them, forced them to blaspheme so that he could put them in prison and casted his votes against them when he was, they were charged with death. That's insane. So if any story is amazing, it's the Apostle Paul's that was, he was once one way and then now he's another way and the only thing that happened in between was Jesus. And that is just such a simple point of the goodness of God and testifying of, of our testimonies. 
to the goodness of God. It's it's so it's so drastic. And you know, again, I said this earlier, but Marcus, drug addicted, rock bottom, was once one way. Jesus happened, and now he's a completely different way. And the kindness and compassion that he shows amongst others, he's the light of the party everywhere he goes because we can agree, me and Marcus, that we should be dead. Sets a life new, it sets your life's perspective in a whole new way. You're seeing the world in different colors. You're seeing people the way God sees them. And, and, it's, and it sets your heart ablaze. It sets your heart on fire for the passions that God is passionate about. And it's his people. And the Apostle Paul was once one way. Jesus happened. And then he was a fierce fierce servant for the Lord, planting churches, writing letters, spreading the kingdom of God, encouraging, rebuking, correcting all of the Christians that all the, he plant, all the churches that he planted and he, and he just dedicated his life for the spread of the gospel. But the one thing that was, one, was, was for sure is he was really good at telling his story. He told his story a couple times about who he was but please believe me, Jesus changed everything, and now he's this way. And, and I, got, I got a question for you guys. I got a question for this. So what, what's this mean for you? What, what, I asked a lot of people this um, last week, a lot of friends, people around me, really close to me. And I asked them, what do you think holds people back from telling their story of redemption, telling their story of reconciliation, of overcoming or surviving or anything in between? And I got a lot of answers. Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it regret, embarrassment? Is it believing God can't use it? And I think the, most, the biggest one that stuck, stuck out to me the most was this question. Do you not think your story is important? Do you think it's not as drastic and dramatic as Marcus's or myself's or Paul's or that God can't use it? It's not, it's not good enough. Or is, this, or is the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment holding you back? And I'm sitting here. Um, just reminding you guys uh, that the deep, nasty darkness, the, the distraught, the, the heartbreak, the depression, the anxiety, the addiction, everything that is grimy and slimy that you don't want anybody to see, that is the part of you that God loves. And that's the, um, that's the part that, that He saved and He redeemed and He made you white as snow. And I can't help to like, uh, to bring in how many times I've told my story and how many people said thank you. And how many times that I say over and over again that my story points to the God of the universe um, for saving my life. And uh, I just wanna be a super practical encouragement to you guys that um, your story has power. Regardless of if it's whatever it is, God can use anything. And um, it's pretty simple. You don't need to be uh, on a platform with a microphone to tell your story. You don't need to blast it over social media. 
You don't even need to tell anybody it right now. If you're going through it right now, it's okay. Take your time. But believe me, I think God's going to pull you out of it. And once you can say thank you for something, once you can say thank you, God, for pulling me out, recovering me, reconciling, redeeming, all that stuff, grace, your mercy for that event or that experience or that stuff that I was addicted to or that thing that I couldn't get away from. Once you can say thank you, it's a, it's a tool you can use to help point people to the God that you know. And just some practical stories or practical applications for all this. Um, you can be bold. You can be bold and post it on social media. You can, you can do a lot with your story, but I encourage you just to simply tell the ones that you're close to. Just one person maybe. You can even just write it down and in time if you're ready you can hand it to someone. Because I promise you, the day that Marcus told me his story, instantly, I saw him. Instantly, I saw the redeeming power of God in his life. I could look across the room or the, or the beach or whatever, and if I see him from a distance, I can say, that is Marcus. He's a child of God. And I instantly got closer to him. He knows me. I know him. We're battling together. Um, but yeah, write it down, tell a couple people because your story has power and you never know what God can do with your story. He knows it. The deep, dark stuff is what he saved you from. So loved ones, we, we, we just, we just need as many stories as we can get in this fight against the enemy, this, this, this heartbreak, this disastrous of a world, this sin nature. We need as many stories as we can get because we can't hold back because our lives should point to the glory of God. Our lives should point people to reconciliation, point people to the God and the Jesus that who died and raised from the dead for us, that saved us, that can also save others around us. Stories are powerful. And just like that one point above, may our stories point to the goodness of God. It has power. So let's enter a posture of thanksgiving and giving thanks and praise to the Lord for saving us. And let's begin to tell that story. And through our story, point to the gospel of Jesus. And it will spread like wildfire. It will. I fully believe that our stories have power. And I just like, I just, I know I'm filming this right now and you know, I can't really hear any hallelujahs, but I, I bet you some of you guys can scream and shout hallelujah for God redeeming you and through your story. So again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you that Marcus, myself and the apostle Paul, we we're all one way. Pretty disastrous, all three of us. <laughs> and then now we're a different way and the Apostle Paul did amazing things for the kingdom and the only thing that happened in between was Jesus. And really quickly, if you don't know the Jesus that redeems stories like that, drug addiction, violence, anger, <sighs> murder, 
everything that all three of us went through. If you don't know that God, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. I just want to tell you about the God that I know. He's compassionate, He's loving, and He loves you. But we're all the same. We all need help. We all need a Savior. We're all born sinners and we need grace. We need mercy to do this life, to be reconciled with God so we can have perfect communion with Him and a home in heaven. Do you want a home in heaven? Because what God did to our offense of sin is He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us, to, to be a substitute for our sins. And He raised from the dead and ascended to heaven for the perfect sacrifice. And all we have to do is respond in thanksgiving. You see, it's a free gift. None of us earned it. It's not like Marcus and I earned it. It's freely given. We just had to accept it. It's a free gift of salvation, a home in heaven, to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a disciple, to walk this life as one big family so we have a home in heaven. And I want you to join us because it's urgent. There's eternity on the line. You, you don't know when you're going to die. You could go to hell. You could die and further, for all of eternity to be separated from God. And I don't want that. And it's scary. So give thanks to the Lord for your salvation today and accept the free gift right now. There's no time because it transforms your whole life. As you can see, it transformed Marcus's, myself, and Apostle Paul's life. It changed everything. And, I, and I'm sure there's tons of people watching this and in the crowd and, and stuff like that that um, have, are at the church that completely can testify against that. It's changed everything about the life. More joy, more freedom. Shackles are gone. And it's amazing. So, we don't have to do anything. It's a free gift. So I just want to pray through this right now. And I want to pray... And I hope you join me in a, give, in a thanksgiving prayer to say thanks for the free gift. Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks. We know we couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But you gave us your grace and your mercy for free. You sent your son Jesus to die for us. And we accept that free gift today. May today be the life change. May today be the transformation. May the today be the perspective shift. May the hearts be softened, the eyes be opened, and the ears be opened to what you want to say to us today. We thank you for the free gift. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Again, your story has power and it can point to the goodness of God. So let's enter a posture of thanksgiving and go tell someone. Love you guys.